We get to finish a series that we've been in. I've loved this series on grace, amazing grace that we've been talking about. And uh, kind of have a big idea that I want to share in this particular concluding message. And the big idea is this. Grace changes the way you see the world and it compels you to share the gospel with other people. Grace changes the way you see and it compels you to share the gospel. That's the good news with other people. So you can't have an encounter with the grace of God and leave unchanged. It's virtually impossible. God's grace changes you. It's a power that works on the inside out. Grace is an attitude of gratitude that changes how we treat other people. Grace is what gives us the ability to forgive other people, to bless others who don't deserve it. Grace is powerful. Josh Dumbo, a friend of mine here in the church, he works in a ministry called ARMS, Abuse Recovery Ministry, and uh, he's serving there. And they not only minister to the needs of those who have been victimized through domestic violence, but also the perpetrators. And Josh works with uh, many of the men who are trying to get better in that realm, and they are in a process of recovery. And so Josh was telling me a couple days ago that he's working with a group of guys really over the course of the last year. One of the guys in the group is doing really well, but he had something that happened a couple weeks ago. Actually, he lost his brother tragically, and it was unexpected. It was devastating, and it really shook this guy to the core. It made him spiral kind of downward into some depression, and he, he ended up sadly going back to a destructive destructive habit of drinking and uh, to try and deal with his pain and he made the stupid and dangerous decision of driving under the influence and he ends up getting pulled over by a cop well of course at that moment the guy knows man things are over for me at this point right but serendipitously the cop happened to be uh, a part of the situation of his brother where he was there um, he was there when his brother had died and and so he had some understanding the cop could have done a couple different things obviously to handle that situation but he took this very unique approach he ends up bringing the back the guy back to the station and he the guy of course knows I'm guilty I you know I, I'm I deserve the book being thrown at me. I'm probably going to be arrested and put in jail. But the officer finds himself sharing his faith and helping this man work through his grief. He ends up at the end of multiple hours inviting the guy to church. Well, the guy doesn't end up going to this police officer's church, but he goes to a different church. And he said it had been 30 years since he had darkened the door of a church. And though the guy's still grieving, he goes to this church just happened like last week and and it just rocked his world God spoke to him in that in and through that church service and he ends up making a commitment to just become a part of that church family grace impacted his life he felt and experienced God's grace through this police officer he didn't deserve any grace he deserved a stiff penalty but he encountered grace through an officer who himself had been touched by God's grace. See, grace changes the way you see the world, and it compels you to share the gospel with other people. Think with me for a moment about Jesus. 
I mean, Jesus was a people attractor. Jesus, the Son of God, the only sinless, perfect man that ever lived and walked this planet, seems to me like he would be a guy that might be hard to relate to, has never made, you know, never committed a sin. And yet, people flock to Jesus. People love to hang out and eat and drink with Jesus. People love to be around him. He was just that good. God does not repel people. He attracts people. He's inviting us into a relationship, not into religion. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Jesus came to give you new life, a second chance. And the grace you experience will change your life and the whole direction of your life. It'll change the way you see yourself. It'll change the way you see God and see others. And you'll begin to live life in a whole new way. But be careful. Be careful, Christian. Because Christians have a bad habit of starting out in a grace relationship with God and then turning it over time into rules. Turning something that started so simple, so joy-filled into something complicated and demanding. The New Testament book of Acts tells the story of the formation and the development of the early church. I mean, things got off to this incredible start. Thousands of people in the first few days were coming to faith in Christ. I mean, the city of Jerusalem is buzzing with stories and miracles and testimonies of life transformation. And then evangelists begin to kind of launch out of Jerusalem into some of the other villages and other places in the surrounding towns. And something really unexpected happened. Non-Jews, Gentiles, started believing in Christ as well. Up until that point, it was predominantly Jews who were waiting for the Messiah and embraced Jesus, and they were the first Christians. But now, God has opened up the gospel to everybody. And look at what happens in, uh, in, in the city of Antioch. In Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. It's talking about the Gentiles. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and he saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them to all remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Isn't that cool? I mean, Antioch was the first place where the disciples were called Christians. And what happened? Barnabas goes and he sees the grace of God. Can you say that? See the grace. See the grace. And then it says he, he was glad. Can you say that? Be glad. And then he exhorted them to live for the, God's purposes. And I want you to say that. Tell others. That's how simple it is. See grace. Be glad. Tell others. Not complicated. Not rocket science. Overwhelmed with gratitude. Barnabas saw God's activity at work. And yet these new Gentile converts, I mean, they're not religious. They're not polished. 
They looked different. They ate different kinds of food. They ate food that was considered unclean to the Jewish Christians. They start showing up to temple meetings and kind of, you know, they have this liberal way of thinking. They don't do the right ceremonial cleansings. They didn't keep the Sabbath. So the Bible tells us that there were several Jewish Christians who had heartburn over this. I mean, they had trouble with this. They were struggling to understand this. Matter of fact, they went so far as saying, time out. The men, the Gentile men, they, to become Christians, they need to get circumcised. And I guess that was their idea of a new members class, you know? <laughs> Have a doctor in town, back in a back room, the men file through, minor surgery. I mean, guys, you think rooted is hard. <laughs> Come on. Started with grace, gets really complicated. I mean, they're cutting the zippity right out of their doodah. So... <laughs> Barnabas, he's not happy. He's upset because what started with joy and simplicity and grace is now being threatened with complication and demands. So they appealed to Jerusalem, to the apostles and to the leaders there and the elders there. And, and, and so in Acts chapter 15, what you'll find is this council in Jerusalem where it's this like showdown. It's this... It's, it's this big discussion about grace. Grace is under attack. It says in verse 5, Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, they stood up and they said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. The apostle Peter, he stands up and he says, Look, we have tried to live under the law of Moses for hundreds of years and we have not done a very good job. Let's not put that burden on the Gentiles. They're going back and forth. And in verse 11, Peter says, No, we believe it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Paul and Barnabas stand up and they start telling the apostles. They start telling the elders and the leaders of all the amazing things that God had done. Man, you should have been there in Antioch. We saw the grace. It made us glad. We were telling other people. It was spilling out into the streets. Testimonies of miracles and lives transformed. And after hearing then all the various sides of this particular argument around the topic of grace, James, who was the most influential leader and elder there in Jerusalem, stands up and he says, all right, I'm going to make the final call here. Verse 19. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult. Can you underline that in your Bible? Not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Don't overcomplicate the gospel. Don't weigh people down with dead religion. He said in verse 20, instead, we should write to them telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. That made perfect sense back then because in their culture, that's what was going on. They were eating food that had been sacrificed to idols. They were strangulating their animals in order to have meat. And so they're saying it's really simple. Theologically, let's boil it down. By grace, through faith, you're saved, period. Nothing added. And then practically, living in this culture, 
Can you not strangle your animals and not eat food that's been sacrificed to foreign idols? And can you just abstain from having sex until you're married? Guys, do you think you can do that? We're in. The guys start running back to church, you know, happy dance for them. The church explodes with joy, with gratitude. Because why? Because grace is good news. Grace is God giving us what we need, not what we deserve. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel a bit distant from God. You struggle with that sense that I'm not, I, I don't measure up, I don't live up to. I know who I am. I know the faults, the mistakes, the sins. Or maybe you are on the opposite side of that, where you feel like, man, I'm working hard to be a good person. I think I do the right things most of the time. But it's exhausting trying to keep God and people happy all the time. Jesus told a story in Luke chapter 15 that's just a perfect example of this grace given to all kinds of people. And it starts like this. A man had two sons. One of the sons was a screw-up. The other son was a rule keeper. The younger son comes to his dad and he says, Father, give me my inheritance, the money that you would give to me after you were dead. Could I have it now? I have plans in life. I have things I want to do, goals I want to accomplish, dreams out ahead of me. Give me my share now. I mean, this was, this was not just demanding. This was demeaning. This was dishonoring and disrespectful to his family. But his dad does something surprising. His dad actually gives him the money, cashes him out. The, the kid goes off, explores other countries, other places, lives parties, spends money, buys cool things, sleeps with women. But over time, he runs out, runs out of money. And at the exact same time, a national depression hits the nation he's living in, and now he's without work. He can't find a job. Matter of fact, the only job he can find is slopping pigs in a, in a pen. And he's watching these pigs eat the scraps. And he's hungry for what they're eating. Nobody gives a rip about this guy. He's come to the end of his road, end of his rope. Life is hard. It's unfair. People are sick of him couch surfing. And it's like, you're on your own now, buddy. And in Luke 15, verse 17, it says, When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. Here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. And so he returned home to his father. Have you ever hit rock bottom in your life? Have you ever come to a place where you look back in the rear view mirror and you go, man, I've made a mess of my marriage. I've made a mess of my job. I've made a mess of my family. Maybe, maybe you burn bridges with your parents or with your kids and you come to that place where you just feel ashamed. You feel guilty. You feel distant. And you feel like, you know what? I deserve 
what I'm getting. I deserve a crappy life. I've made too many mistakes. I don't belong in church. I don't belong with God. I'm really not worthy to be called his son. I don't measure up. Well, that's exactly what this younger son is dealing with, and he's rehearsing this speech in his mind, and he's making his long journey back to where his father is on this, probably this amazing ranch. And he walks up, and he's ready to tell the father how he feels and what he's learned and how he's blown it and how he doesn't want to be restored in the family. He just wants to work as a hired hand on the ranch. And while he's still a long way away, just gets me. His father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him. He kissed him. And his son said, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father cuts him off, and he says, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. And, kill, and, and for the son of mine who was dead is now returned to life. He was lost. Now he is found. So the party began. God saw him through the eyes of grace. God loved. God ran, God forgave, and then God celebrated. Is that your view of God? That relentless love of the Heavenly Father, amazing grace in action. My son who is dead is now alive. God is in the resurrection business. God can take a marriage that looks like it's going to die and he can resurrect it. God can take a dream that's deceased, and he can resurrect it. God can do the impossible. So the father throws this big, extravagant party for his son. There's dancing, there's music, there's eating and drinking. Meanwhile, the older son, he's out in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked, what is going on? Your brother's back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Well, the old bro older brother, he's responsible. He's a hard worker. And he's a little bit upset here that his younger brother has come home and there's a party going on. Verse 28 says the older brother was angry and would not go in. Anger, jealousy, criticism, comparison. You ever find it hard in your life to celebrate, legitimately celebrate with someone else who's being blessed where you know they don't deserve it? You've been the responsible one. You were left holding the bag. You're the one who suffered, sacrificed, made the right choices in your life. And then someone else is getting off for a ticket for drunk driving and invited to church. Come on. My brother's getting a party thrown for him for being an idiot. Yippee. <laughs> Look at what the father, though, does for this older son. 
his father came out. It's the same response he had for the younger son. He comes out and he begs him to come in to the party. All these years, the older son said, I've been slaving for you, never once refused to do a single thing you told me, and in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. See, the elder son was a rule keeper. He was offended by grace. Grace can be offensive. Grace doesn't just look unfair to the sinner. Grace looks even more unfair to the righteous. I've been standing here all day in line, and I see that guy making, taking cuts up front. That's how it feels. The older brother, he had never left home. He'd never missed a day of work. He wasn't a sinner. He was responsible. He was righteous, and he deserved grace. He deserved blessing. Where's my party? So many Christians can live out a performance mentality in their walk with God to where we feel like I've been doing the right things, therefore, God, now you owe me. God, I've loved you. I've given faithfully. I've served other people. Bad things better not start happening to me. God, you should be blessing me for who I am and what I've done and how I love you so much. And then when it doesn't work out that way, our expectations are let down, we get confused, we actually can become angry at God and at people. God's love cannot be earned. It can only be received, experienced celebrated. So let's look at the ending of this particular parable in verse 31. His father said, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. He was dead and now he's alive. The relentless love of the Father would not give up. It, he said, we have to celebrate. Both of these guys, the younger brother, the, the screw-up, the older brother, the rule keeper, they both thought they deserved something. They deserved something. When an individual accepts God's unconditional offer of forgiveness, the party starts right then and there. Guess who's invited to the party? You are, and I am. All of us are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good news is grace. Grace changes the way you see. It's no longer about what I deserve or what somebody else deserves. It's about the radical love of our Heavenly Father who in, in ways that blows my mind forgives and embraces and runs out to meet us who invites us and restores us. And when you understand grace, you don't get mad, you get glad. And you want to share his good news with other people. Because this world we live in is starving for grace. Starving for unconditional love. 
is hungry for purpose and significance, yearning for joy and for peace. And that is the message of the gospel that God has entrusted to you and to me. That God loves to take people who are far away and bring them close. He loves to take people who are dead in their sins and forgive them. Quit trying to pay for your own mistakes, for your own sins. The payment's already been made in full at the cross. The Father says, I love you. Return to me. Don't try and earn his love through your performance. So often people are saved by grace, but then they turn towards rules and religion and then try to get God to, to owe them something through good behavior. It's just grace. We're saved by it. We're kept by it. We live in it. We breathe it. We walk in it. And we are commissioned for grace to be ambassadors of that same grace. Let grace change the way you see living under grace. It's not complicated. It's simple. It's freeing. It gives joy. I love the song called Wonder. You know that song? And uh, it, here's some of the words to it. It says, I see the world in light. I see the world in wonder. I see the world in life bursting in living color. I see the world your way, and I'm walking in the light. And then it asks this question, have you ever seen the wonder in the air of second life, having come out of the waters with the old one left behind? If you have, say so. Say so. Giving grace and seeing people through a lens of grace. It's not just simpler. It's, it, it, it's just joy-filled. It's compelling to a world that's hurting and watching the joy of someone who was dead and who is now alive. That's exactly why Jesus died on the cross, and it's exactly what he's called us to. I'm going to say uh, the worship band's going to play that song of, it's called Wonder here, and I'm going to come back up, and I just want to commission us as a church towards grace. As we sing, will you please stand with us? So say, I see the world in life, I see the world in wonder, I see the world in life, bursting in living color, I see the world your way, and I'm walking in light. Have you ever seen the wonder? Yeah, second life. 
to follow I see the world your way And I'm not ashamed to say so I see the Jesus way And I'm walking in the light I see the world in light, I see the world in wonder, I see the world in life, bursting in living color, I see the world your way, and I'm walking in the light. I see the world in grace, I see the world in gospel, I see the world your way. that you see? What do we see? Do we see grace? Do we see gospel? Do we see Jesus at work? Do we see his vision for the world? That he wants people to know him. He wants people in his family. He wants people to be forgiven. That's why he sent Jesus. So I want to commission us as a church right now in grace. God has called us as a church to not make it difficult for people to respond to him, for not, to not make it difficult for people to see him, and for us to be conduits of that grace in a community that is so thirsty and so hungry to receive it. Will you pray with me and receive this commissioning? Lord, we just thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, God, for the power of the gospel, that it changes lives and Lord, we pray that you would help us leave this place different, that we would go, Lord, with the same heart and spirit that you have towards people, towards this world. And God, that you would help us leave this place and be grace givers in our schools, in our community, in our workplaces, at our home, in our marriage and with our children. God, we pray that you'll show us how to live it out and that that grace would not leave us unchanged, but would lead us towards truth and righteousness and holiness. But it would do it with the right motive and for the right reason and with the right spirit because grace makes you glad and it causes you to want to tell others. So I pray, God, that as we leave here, I commission this church, Lord, to go and bless others in the name of Jesus, to go and bless others, to pray for people, especially those who are far away from him. That, they, that we would go, God, and that we would serve others, that we would listen to other people, that we would eat with others, and that we would share the story of your grace and life transformation, that you would give us boldness, courage, and joy as we make that known to this world around. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Well, hey, if you need prayer today, our prayer team will be right over here. If you're new or newer to the church, we'll have one of our pastors over here ready to connect you. And God bless you. Go and give some grace.